looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. You know what happens at that time? You're not dealing so much with the guilt you're dealing now with the real wrestling match. And shit, I do it. I don't want to do it. How can I get out of this? So now you're trying to finagle it. You're trying to posture it. You're trying to spin this thing so you can in some measure find something that you think that you can use to get out of doing what you want to do or what you should do. And so that help, slows you down. And frankly, it makes people very tired when they're like that. A lot of people are so exhausted. And they're the ones you're going to hear say something like this. It is just so hard to serve the Lord. And they can't handle that. So you know what they do? They begin to blame everybody else. They point fingers at other people. And they think that makes themselves feel better. And it really doesn't. However, when you finally say, I really want to. I can't. But he can. Therefore, I will. I'm going to tell you there is an emotional freedom that you have. There is a spiritual desire. There is a passion that takes over. And things begin to happen in your life. So again, start serving. Choose desire over duty. And some of you might be listening today and you're saying, I want that desire, but I don't have it. How do I get that desire? How do I push my want-to button? Maybe here's a first place you can begin. You want to write this down? Here it is. Here's what you do. I, 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 I really want to, but I don't, I'm not there yet, but I really want to. How do I get there, Pastor? I want you to write this down. Ask God to make you willing. Whoa. Humble yourself and say, Lord, I'm not willing, but you make me willing. And he will lovingly, but he'll help you do it. Here's the second thing you can do when you're going to start serving. And that is choose giving over getting. Notice the last part of verse 2. It says, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly serve in the context. So you don't do it for the dishonest gain, but eagerly do this thing. Because you really want to serve the Lord. Let me ask you this question. Are you naturally more interested in giving or getting? Most people are interested in getting. That's a, that's a normal thing out of our old nature. Sometimes we think that if, um, if I have money, that I can influence people more. If I just, the more money I have, the more influence I can have. When I was a young boy, uh, and, I, and kids, this dates me, I know, with you, but I lived at a time in South Florida growing up as a young boy in elementary school that none of the radio stations would play rock music on Sunday until noon. And then it was like, you can do anything you want afternoon. I guess it was to protect those that like to have the quiet time in the morning. But I remember the last show, because I'd be listening to the last show on the radio so that it would then flip into my rock music. And the last show was a show about money. And the person on it kept saying this mantra. He said, money isn't important, but people who have it are. And all I could think, that's right. Until I went to scripture and I found out the danger. Listen, listen. It is so dangerous to have that attitude that it's, the Bible says it describes it like a knife that goes inside of you and then twists you if you think that merely having money makes you have more influence. Now let's look at a positive verse. Look at Psalm 112 verse 9. Here's what it says. It says, they give generously to those in need. So you could underline the word generously. Their good deeds will never be forgotten. So let me pause. Maybe some of you do not have the, the resources to give to those that have need. 
But I think we all have the resources. It says their good deeds will never be forgotten. Deeds can be done that are money-driven, money-oriented, money-needed. But at the same time, there are deeds that you can do that do not involve money. And the last part of it, I really love it, says they, those who give generously to those in need, those who do good, it says they will have influence and honor. So it's not how much money you have that gives you that honor and influence. It's what you do with what God has given to you to be able to serve other people with it. So if you want to finish well, what do we do? Well, Scripture says, concentrate on giving over getting. Look, if you will, at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. This is what it says. Is having money the problem? No, not really. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Having money isn't the problem. It's those who are desiring for more and more money. It says, For the love of money is at the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. In fact, I often find that being greedy often keeps us so busy that we don't have time to serve. Now think about that. When we're so greedy, we don't have time to serve. Because either we have to have more money to get something, or I need more money to keep up with what I've already gotten because I have to do maintenance on this, that now I'm in this horrible trap that I cannot now serve because I have to keep this monster that's fed with more money alive. And so again, having money isn't sinful. So if you're wealthy, praise the Lord. And I know a lot of wealthy Christians who with the money God has prospered them, He's done that because those usually that have the, the gift of giving also have to have the gift of getting because God would not give you a gift to give if he doesn't give you the resources to give. And so you put it all together, but they're using it as a tool to build and to serve with and how important that is. And I, I pray that'd be our case. Well, here's the last one here on starting to serve, and that is choose by being an example over being in control. Choose by being an example over being in control. Here's what you read. It says, not as being lords over those entrusted to you. And I know you want to mark that being lords over. I'd rather have you underline the phrase entrusted to you. That God in his great grace says, all right, I'm putting you in a position of leadership, of influence. But I'm entrusting these people to you. And you're going to have to give an account of how you lived around them. Then it says, by being, but be examples to the flock. So when the chief shepherd Christ himself comes, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Now, what's not in your notes is, first, is 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Would you turn there for a moment in your Bible if you brought your Bible? This time I want you to look at it in your own Bible rather than just up on the screen. I want to tell you a brief story about how important this was. Again, for those of you that are new, um, I enjoy reading the biographies of great men and women who are stellar Christians for the Lord. Occasionally I'll read a biography of someone who I'm not so confident about their entire walk with God, but... They also had some great influence in the world, but I don't spend a lot of time in that. The other thing, when I read biographies, I really read it to try to understand the sovereignty of God behind that man or woman's life to really sense what is God doing in that person, the growth of the soul, I call it, and then what is God doing in that man or woman's ministry or influence of others, so you could call that the growth of the work, so the growth of the soul, the growth of the work, so I'm trying to follow that through. One of the things I, I really don't, seek after to read, and that would be the biographies of people who are still alive. Because I'm not 100% convinced that they have finished well. And so I want to kind of, there's so many good biographies of those who have, I want to read those who started well, fought the battle well, 
and ended well. That doesn't mean they never sinned, but they've done a pretty good job at what they needed to do. Well, most of you know I've been following this wonderful saga of, of uh, Hudson Taylor. I'm in the last 25 pages of Hudson Taylor's seventh volume here. And it was after the Boxer Revolution. And so many of their people have died horrible deaths, missionaries, because of that. Not only in the China Inland Mission, but other Christian missions that were in China in 1900 that lost so many people. And now Hudson Taylor is in the last five or six years of his life before he dies. So he's about to finish well. And so finally the Boxer Revolution was over within about nine months to a year. Of course, it's a big country and there's still pockets of it, but it got better. And Hudson Taylor had this one commitment. When the Chinese government chose then to say this, we will now give you money and do what we can to pay you back for the missionaries who died. For any of their buildings that were burned and any of their belongings that were destroyed, we will pay you back. And Taylor said, no, I won't take any money. These family members here, that's their choice that they want to, but we as the mission will not do this because only God will take care of us. We still want to have a voice to be able to speak. And so what happened then is that it opened up a wave of more missionaries are committed to replace those who died in a horrible part of the world, China, during 1900. So now so many were going there. So then Hudson Taylor, again, very old, very frail, emotionally traumatized by watching his friends, the people he, 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 he spoke about China to that surrendered their lives to leave family and friends to go there, started ministries and then were slaughtered. You can imagine what he, he wrote this to those missionaries that were coming in and those who chose to go back to those areas when they were allowed back into their part of the country. And this was huge. He said, I want to leave you this passage. The passage is not to go as missionaries to say, we know how to do Christianity, you don't. We know how to do a work for God, you don't. Therefore, we are coming in and we're now going to do this. We're going to tell you and take over and make this happen because we're trying to reach China for Christ. He said, no, no, no. He said, when you come, he says, I want you to live this verse. And so this is a verse when you say, I don't want to come to control. I want to be an example. This is the verse that he gave. It's a great companion verse to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. It says this. Paul writing to the Corinthians. The Corinthians in the first letter were really bad people. They were really immature. So he blasted them. They got their act together. Now he rewrites to them a second letter. And he says this. 2 Corinthians 1.24 Not that we have dominion over your faith. Not that we have rule over your faith. Not that we're there to take control over you and what you believe and where you're at. He says, but our fellow workers for your joy. And I really believe that that's where the people get the joy is when another person who might be a little bit more spiritually advanced comes alongside them as a fellow worker. Let me pause for a moment. You that are parents, it is true, the younger the child is, the more you have to be directed. As they become older, you let them fly a little bit, you give them some direction, you kind of mid-course correction at times, you help them. But while they're in the house, there is that chain of command. But once you leave the house, once they leave the house, you don't leave influence, but you become more of a board of advisors to them. And that's why here, the pastoral staff, I think Dennis has been here a long time, Charlie is a little bit less, but here's my point. When we first got here, there was a lot that we've been doing, but we are now experiencing in the health of this church, a direction of this church that we have not experienced for a long time in our ministry, at least my ministry. We are seeing so many of you take on things 
And we see ourselves not so much as the ones who launch the ministry, keep it going, you know, you know, kind of kick butt, so to speak. Our job is not to do that. We were here on Wednesday night and we watched Deborah launch a wonderful Awana program and seeing how she's taken advice and input from godly people for a personal life, family life, and ministry life. I've watched Carrie and the deacons and the group over here, wonderful leaders, Jerry, every single one of them. We went through the antenna situation. You know about all that junk, all that happened there. They did their work. They prayed about it. They cussed, they discussed, you know how I'm saying. They worked it all together, but there was a oneness of mind on this issue. I was so, if I could use the word proud, to watch how they develop. And then next week, you're going to really hear what they would like to do with our facilities here in honor of the Lord and making a mark in our community for the glory of God. They honor me by keeping me in the loop over every email that's going out there, and I'm watching them. They've honored me by allowing me to give input when I can give input. And occasionally, they might even ask my opinion. But I have to tell you that I've taken a back seat. If anything, I would have messed up all that stuff. We're seeing that. And I believe that's what we want to do is to live out this verse. And you are finding a very safe church where people are growing to help you in your walk with God to do a great ministry. Let's go back to the end of this verse. Not that we have dominion over your faith, but our fellow workers for your joy... You will have joy. Then it says, for by faith you stand. So what we want to do is come alongside you. Help you learn the Bible. Put you into an environment where that you can grow. Watch out for the things that might come into your life that will be obstacles to hinder you from growing. But folks, get out there and do the job. You can do it. What a blessing that you can be to others. I believe it was Hudson Taylor that finally changed the whole philosophy of missions when he said this. And it's now owned by a lot of mission agencies. He said, Chinese for China. It's the locals that are going to do the job. We do that by being an example. Let me give you the last one. And that is to stay humble. What's going to happen soon when you begin to really surrender your life to the Lord and say, I want to finish well. And you start putting out of your life the things that are hindering you so that you can put into your life the things that you should be doing and living your life in a great way, that all of a sudden some pride comes in. We could call that spiritual pride. But here's what he says as he furthers this in verses 5 and 6. He says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Now, it's interesting, in this context, it's not talking so much about submit yourself to the elders of the church, but it's just talking about submit yourself to older people. Why would you do that? Because if those older people are on fire for the Lord, they're going to finish well. So they're walking the path that you could follow as well. So you could finish well. So submit to their guidance. So look up here if you will. It is important for you younger people to look at those that are older than you because they're going to model it. Hopefully they're going to mentor you. Thirdly, they're going to minister to you. Fourthly, they might um, manage you, give you some direction at times that you might need. So you listen and you find them. So you younger people, look for the sp- guys, spiritual guys, girls, spiritual women out there. Look for those who are out there. Now, watch this. If we're having our young people, we're encouraging them to go to the classes, find their guys, get mentored, then we who are older now, then we who are the elders, if they're to submit to us, then I pray that we are really submitting to the Lord and we are choosing to actively involve ourselves in their life as influencers. To come alongside them, to listen to their verses, go to their classes, take them someplace. Not one boy with one man, but together a group of you do these things so that you can grow. And I'm going to tell you, this church will have a mark and it won't be the beauty of our buildings. I'm so grateful that they are, that they're all paid for and I'm grateful that they are. It'll be the quality of the spiritual maturity of the people that's 
in these buildings here. It goes on to say this. I love it. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. So it's just not younger to older people, but we also at times need to listen to those that are younger because sometimes there's going to be a fresh wind that's going to come from their thoughts and their perspective of life because we're trying to reach their generation and so we need to know what their generation is like at times. All right, so be clothed with humility for God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves underneath the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Well, how many of you have ever experienced a time in your life when you were prideful and God, in his own special way, humbled you? Would you raise your hand? Okay, I have the microphone and I want you to go around. No, and no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. But what you might do is you might look at the time that somehow that pride kind of like a weed got into your garden and started to grow a little bit. And the Lord, he says, you know, I really love you, but that weed is going to hinder you from more fruit. So I'm going to start plucking that weed out. So to do that, I've got to get your attention. Remember that little dynamic going on in your life? Do you remember how uncomfortable it felt when he began to do that? And some of you, there was a bit of an embarrassment that was there. But now that that weed is gone and you see a little bit more of a pretty garden there, why don't you use that as a wonderful reminder of the grace of God in your life and now say, all right, Lord, there's two ways I can get humbled. Yeah, you'll always humble me if I don't do it. Or number two, I can humble myself. Now, you might want to take your, your feet and put them under your chairs right now because I'm going to step on some toes. I don't know whose toes, but I might step on some. So here we go. Is it right now that there's some humility in your life that's lacking? Could you be a little bit prideful because things are going really good with your kids, really good on the job, really good in your ministry, really good with your finances, really good somewhere, and all of a sudden we're starting to take a little bit, look what I've done, look at how it's going for me, I'm doing all the right stuff. You who stand take heed lest you fall, scripture says. So I don't know, I don't have anybody in mind, but let's remember this, Matthew 23, 12 says, whoever exalts himself it doesn't say might be humbled. It says you will be humbled. And he who humbled himself, it doesn't say might be exalted, will be exalted. And there's no better example than Jesus Christ. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who had the right to be called God, but humbled himself. Took upon himself the form of a servant. Died on the cross, a horrible, shameful death. Shameful, painful death. That's humility. But don't forget what else it says. And when he went through all of that, he was highly exalted and he was given a name above every name and that at his name, every knee will bow. Well, I'm not looking for any, anybody to bow to me and nor should they bow to you. But that principle is still there. When we humble ourselves, there is that exaltation. Well, folks, now's the time to ask yourself and answer. Do I want to finish well? What do I need to do? Start serving. Find a place to serve. When you do, desire over duty. Choose giving rather than getting. And when you do these kinds of things, do it in a way where you choose to be an example rather than a control. And do it with a spirit of humility. A humble person is a person that says, I still have a lot to learn. I see where I want to finish, but I need all the help I can get. And so I look to the Lord for that. I celebrate anything that I did right, because it's really God who did that in my life. And I look forward to the things I want to do right, because he's going to walk with me on this path for his glory. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're a guest here today, 
And you might finish this life real well, and I hope you do. But if you've never trusted Christ as Savior, it doesn't matter so much how you finish this life. It does matter what life you're going to go into in the next life. And that's where this time is so important. We talked about humbling ourselves. And so maybe at this point, it's the time to say, Lord, I I can honestly say that um, I am a sinner. And I know that no good deed I do myself will get into heaven, get me into heaven. And Lord, I I heard today that you love sinners because you love the world. And that's the only kind of people there are in this world that are sinners. And some are better people than others, but we're all sinners. And therefore, we all need a Savior. And so, Lord, I, I come to you knowing that I'll never be perfect. And I know that I'm separated from you and I, I'll spend eternity in, in a real place called hell separated from you. And I, and I have no hope for heaven in myself and my deeds. And so, Lord, I come to you now as the Savior. And that, Father, when you said it was finished, it means that you did all the work for me on the cross and that by faith in you alone I can have eternal life, not by any deeds I do myself. So, Lord, I come to you, the great forgiver, and I'm believing you'll forgive me of all my sin so that however I end this life I will spend eternity with eternal life with you so maybe some of you right now between you and the Lord would say Lord I know I've done things wrong I know that I could not do any good deeds myself I believe you died and rose again for my sin and now I'm accepting you as my personal savior because I'm trusted in you the Lord who would give to me eternal life. Now, I'd like to pray for you. Now, for those that feel comfortable, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Those that don't, you could put it on the card and let me know. Those of you who'd rather just tell me, you can call me or write me or see me after the service. But for now, I'd like to pray for you. So if today is the day you're trusting Christ to be your Savior, you'd like for me to pray for you. With heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Would you slip up your hand? And by that uplifted hand, you're silently telling me that you're trusting Christ and Raising your hand, and me praying for you won't get you into heaven, but me praying for you is a joy for me, and I hope will be a blessing to you. But you going to heaven happened the moment you trusted Christ as your Savior. So is there anyone in here with heads bowed and eyes closed that would like for me to pray for them because you've trusted Christ as your Savior? Would you slip up your hand right now? Is there anyone at all? All right, Christians, how many of you want to finish well? And how many of you sense that there's a part in your life where the Lord was speaking to you that you kind of need to get back on that correction again. You know, when you have a GPS system and you got it right, there are times that you might miss the turn off and they're going to say recalculate. Maybe right now the Holy Spirit is telling you to recalculate. That you've been kind of rocking along but you haven't been serving and you know you need to. And some of you have been serving but you need to redirect in your area of service to prioritize. And so you're recalculating. Maybe some of you are doing it out of duty. I don't want to. If I have to. And you're recalculating now. Because in your heart you're saying, I really do want to. And maybe some of you are struggling with, you know, you've been so wrapped up with money. Instead of deeds. And using that money to influence others. And so now you're going to eagerly serve. Not for money, but to help others. And you're recalculating. And maybe some of you are to the point you're saying, you know, I've really been too bossy. I I, want to influence. My heart is right, but I've got to be too controlling with my my mate, with my kids, with my staff, with my team, with my neighbors. 
even with my parents. And so, Lord, I, I need to power down and I need to come alongside them and serve with them and help them and not to be so in control. So, Lord, let me take the first step of saying less and doing more as an example. Let me show them rather than only be telling them. Maybe you need to recalculate. How many of you are saying, you know, I, I've really gotten to be a little cocky lately, a little prideful. I've, um, I know how to say all the right things because I've been Christian a long time, but in my heart of hearts, I, I know that I haven't been as humble. I know that I've allowed myself to, to receive too much praise and appreciation without properly reflecting it back to you, Lord. And I'm recalculating right now. How many of you would like to have prayer because that's where you are and God spoke to you and you're recalculating? Would you put up your hand, anyone? Amen. Amen. Father, we humble ourselves and we thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ to recalculate. And that, Father, each one of us can do this and still finish well. And so, Lord, that's what we're doing right now. By your power, in faith, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Oh, 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 oh